Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 23 of UCC's Talking Pictures podcast. I am your host Shannon and today I'm lucky enough to be talking to Ameline O'Regan Farno. For those of you who don't know who Ameline is, she is a poet, a photographer, a filmmaker, a podcast host and now a radio host of the Happy Era show on Wired FM. Initially, Ameline got her start with her podcast Talk About It, on which she sought to open up widely needed discussions about mental health. Since then, she's also hosted the Sounding Fresh podcast for the Fresh Film Festival, on which she interviews young and upcoming filmmakers across Ireland, and on which she'll be beginning season two soon. I just want to mention, while saying all of this, Ameline is only 19 years of age, which to me is absolutely insane. She has such a repertoire of work that I'm just so delighted to interview her and have her here today <laughs> and talk all things film, radio, social media, mental health, whatever comes to mind. So I suppose we'll do a quick little introduction with Ameline. Hi Ameline, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Shannon. Thanks for the fantastic introduction. I really appreciate it. <laughs> so I'm delighted to, to be on the show. I know a few of my friends from uh, my course listened to it. So when I told them they were coming on, they were really excited. Oh my God, that's so funny to me. I forget that other people listen sometimes. So I say you know that well enough because I was listening to your podcast and I remember you talking about all the people who listen. It's crazy, like, where they can yeah. come from. You, it's just all over the world. It's all across Ireland. Like, Oh, definitely. It blows my mind. At one stage, I was reaching... Um, one stage I was reaching, reaching people in Britain. I didn't know. I don't have family in Britain, so uh, people were talking to me in Britain. I have a really good friend in Australia, actually, that I met through the show. So it just blew my mind. I suppose just starting off, I'll talk a bit about how you got into media. So you started very young with your podcast, Talk About It, which was a very topical podcast about mental health. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what attracted you to, like, regards to media and film and all that? Because it's insane to me that you started it at such a young age and you've been so successful with it as well since. Well, thank you for that. I think it kind of came on quite suddenly. I was always a very artistic child. I just didn't know how to like release that creativity. Like I couldn't paint. I can't draw to save my life. So I was always very creative, but I didn't know how to express that creativity. So when I picked up a camera or a microphone, it always just kind of came naturally. And believe it or not, I was a very, very introverted kid, very quiet. So, but yeah, definitely when I was younger, you know, I was really, really quiet. And when I went into secondary school, my mom encouraged me to enter public speaking competitions. And I did it, and I found I had a really good knack for it, and I just really enjoyed it. And I suppose that's where the kind of like the talking aspect and the confidence grew from. So I do want to preface that two teens in my local area took their own lives in the late months of 2020. And I knew of them. I went, I, I, my best friend went to school with one of them. Um, I had known the other, the other uh, person from social events. I did not know them directly, but it really, really affected me and my friends. So I kind of began to realize that it wasn't a topic talked about. Um, so that's where the, the podcast came from. Originally, it was supposed to be a, a radio show. So radio was always something I wanted to pursue. Uh, it just wasn't the time or place because of lockdown. And um, I started listening to a podcast called Teenage Therapy. They've actually just wrapped up on their last episode. They've been doing it since they were 15. They're now it's in their crazy. 20s. I did grow up with them. But I think that was kind of how it began. It was kind of more of a of a push from, from friends and family to get out there. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a very sudden process when I got into it because it just was one step forward and then it, it, everything just, just took place after that. 
Yeah, I think it's really funny that you said that you initially wanted to start a radio show and then you did the podcast because I was actually in the same boat. But the thing is now you've actually started up your own radio show on Wired FM. So like, how does it feel now finally moving to the broadcasting stage on radio and like, what's your show focus on? Like, what do you want to talk about when you're doing the Happy Hour show? Yeah, so it's very full circle for me, I think listening i actually am in class from 10 to 12 on a thursday so oh. we usually get a break around 11 o'clock okay. so I'm out of the room and throw on my headphones and i make sure i'm on air and once i'm on air i can go back into class i'm like we're all good <laughs> okay and i can relax then because come like ha- between half 10 and 11 i'm usually shaking I'm like oh god i hope everything goes okay even though it's not live it's recorded which is the beauty of it so wired fm is a really wonderful radio station in limerick it's actually the limerick university radio station um, but I study in Dublin and I live in Mayo. So it's a very unusual um, array of, of things. I seem to be across the country at the moment. So how that works is I pre-record the show quite like a podcast. I put in all the music and I send it in to my producer, Paul, who's amazing. I love the team at Wired. They're really, really great people. And I got in through that because I am lucky enough to know a lot of people in the broadcasting and media area in Limerick. And they encouraged me when they heard my podcast to um, just go ahead and just be like, you have to be on radio. It's the next step forward. And I was like, no, I'm very happy in my little comfort zone here. I don't want to <laughs> want to start a radio show. So it did take me about a year to kind of do all the pre-production and actually get to where I am. But the show focuses just around happy news that has um, come up in the media. Um, as everyone knows, listening to the six o'clock news, the nine o'clock news, social media, whatever you listen to, it's very depressing. And I suppose the talk about a podcast for me hasn't, I haven't continued it as such. So this is kind of my way of still bringing mental health into mm-hmm. the forum without directly addressing it, I suppose, because when we listen to the news, there's a lot of high levels of depression, high levels of anxiety. So I guess. The, the, the way this show is centered around is that we're only going to focus on the good stuff so people can send me in their good news stories i've researched good news stories that has happened on on the, in the media i use websites such as positive.news it's a good news network they're great sites to get really good news stories on and they just bring people a little bit of happiness in their day and i only bring happy i only play happy songs as well so. I find that really interesting because it's such a contrast to talk about it, which does with like quite heavy topics. But now the happier show is kind yeah. of like a balance where it's just spreading positive experiences, and both are equally as important, obviously. But it's just so interesting how they're both connected, but then completely different things. One thing I definitely want to ask as well is how do you approach kind of I suppose speaking on media because I think like for a lot of people public speaking can be quite nerve-wracking and especially as well because you were initially dealing with such sensitive topics like how do you get over those nerves and kind of just I suppose put your voice up there online talking about quite sensitive things or quite light-hearted things whichever one. Okay the first thing I do want to preface is that this kind of media stuff isn't for everybody. If you go on my social media pages I am not a public person I don't share my private life. I'm not telling you where I'm going on a night out. I'm no means a social media influencer. Uh, that was never the goal for me. The goal for me was always just to have my voice shared and, and I suppose bring people's voices who are too afraid to talk into the forum. That was always a goal of mine. And I think kind of sometimes people kind of confuse the two and they're like, why aren't you more active in social media mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. For me, I'm not speaking on a social media influencer perspective. I'm just speaking on a, on a 
broadcaster and someone who just loves the media perspective. And I suppose I'm fortunate enough that my job doesn't involve too much public speaking. I can talk into a mic and I'm comfortable. I can wear my PJs doing it if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can be comfortable in my own clothes. But I think the courage really does, it, it really came from at the beginning, talking for the two people that had passed for the initial show. I wanted to, I was almost speaking on behalf of of, of them and giving almost them the resources that I wanted them to have at the beginning. And so I think the courage, I didn't even think about that at the time. I was like, I just really want to do it. And now with the radio show, I find that I'm a lot more nervous with it. I don't know why. It's still recorded. And I don't know why. It's another level of nerves. I think it's because it's still in some S life. Will I ever get over those fears? No. And I actually think that's a good thing. Because if you're not nervous, it doesn't doesn't mean something to you. Um, But it's definitely something people should try. I have so many people say to me, Oh, I'd love to start a podcast with my friend, my sister, my brother, my cousin. And I'm like, yeah, do it. Just do it. Don't think twice about it because you never know what will come from it. I mean, there's been so many people now on social media who started off as podcasters and now have, you know, makeup lines or whatever. I'm not saying I want that myself. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, you just don't know what comes from it. And I've had, I've had a radio show come from my podcast. So you don't know what, what lies out there for you if you just, you know, step outside the comfort zone. One thing I really wanted to ask, obviously you've had a really incredible career so far. I mean, you've worked with Brezzy on Lust for Your Life and been on Ireland AM, which is mm. so cool. You've gone to <laughs> premieres, you've done so much work with the Fresh Film Festival. Looking back at it, what do you think has been your favourite moment or a highlight of your career so far? Oh my God. It's actually a question I'd never even asked myself, Shannon, to be honest. Each of those things are very, very individualistic. So meeting Brezzy was something that I had. I'd been working with the Lust for Life charity for about a year at that point. Uh, and before I met Brezzy, he was the CEO. Um, yeah, so meeting him was kind of that, that kind of surreal moment. Uh, I remember he brought he brought me and my friend to a bar after with, with his girlfriend, a group of other people. And we all had drinks, which was just a very surreal experience. My favourite, my highlight of my career, it would have to be working with the Fresh Film Festival because they have become very much like a, a work family to me. <laughs> I absolutely love Jane. I love Keirdra. And for me, it's been really special because I've been fortunate enough over the past. I've been working with them now. This is year three. It's my third year working with them. Um, I am blessed to have them so enthusiastic about what I do. And as someone who's been watching it now for that long, I get really emotional watching it and being a part of it because it's something that I wanted to be a part of for so long, number one. And number two, everyone now who's my age who initially entered or they're making feature films or they're, they're all grown up. So now there's like this new generation of filmmakers coming into Fresh and it makes me really emotional because that means now I get to watch them grow as filmmakers, grow as people, grow as, as artists and as creators, which is something really, really special. And I think as well, with Ireland being such a small nation, you got to know everybody. And, you know, it's really special as well because, yeah, we're a small nation, but we do so well in film. And you know that yourself. There are so many people interested in film. And it's something that a lot of people are, are really passionate about. And I think 
you know, these names will be in lights. A hundred percent. Like, um, there are four young filmmakers that I've watched. They're not young. They're my age. <laughs> young filmmakers. It's just a habit now. You're still age. young. Like, Save. No, no, we're not adults. <laughs> we're not taking that responsibility yet. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say we're young. But they went to New York to showcase their film fest, to, to showcase their films at a international film festival in New York City in Times Square. And I cried when I saw them on Instagram because I was like, that is so amazing because one of my really close friends, Michael Keane, was there. And I remember we met when we were 16 and I said, your name will be in lights. So it really is something that has, it's, it's very close to my heart because of how well everyone gets to know each other and um, the kind of community that's built. So slightly cheesy, maybe, but it's something that I really enjoy. But I think um, it's a really valid thing because um, I was seeing Michael's work as well and just his time in New York. And it's just crazy because like, I think in Ireland where film can be such an underfunded industry and I think it's something that's a bit hard to get into. Like I know yeah. from where I live myself, not a lot of people would be into that or have the accessibility to do those kind of things. So to see like mm-hmm. people, you know, who started, as you said, when they were 16 and suddenly they're their film is playing in Times Square in New York. Like, you know, it's yeah. amazing what persistence and hard work can do for you. When we, when I met Michael, we were 16 and I had no films under my sleeve. And he was still in Cork and he had dreams of going to IDT. He is now in IDT. He's an, uh, working as an actor um, and I'm in a film course so it's it's very surreal like it's a bit like a a, a, um, a whoa moment yeah you look back on you're like how did that happen <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about sending fresh as well since you're going to the new season of it yeah. so do you mind telling us a little bit about the podcast what you aim to do where we can listen to it yeah of course so any of my podcasts that I talk about um, just on the show I want to preface they're on Spotify they're on Apple they're on Google Anywhere you get your podcast, they are there. Just going to type it in and you'll find it easy enough. If you can't find it, you can type in my name and that will come up way quicker because <laughs> it's a very unusual name. Um, so, yeah, on any streaming platforms, you'll find them. Um, so in terms of sounding fresh, I suppose the first year I worked at the Fresh Film Festival, I still had my talk about a podcast up and running. Um, so I reached out to the Fresh Film Festival, who did not know me at all. And I pitched them this crazy idea that I wanted to um, work live at their finals and just record all the winners and record the back, the back behind the scenes kind of excitement. And they agreed. And then the second year I asked to come back, I said, let's make this the fresh podcast. Let's make this sounding fresh, your own individual work. Um, because it went really, really well the first year. I didn't expect the attraction that we got from the first season. So Sounding Fresh really just focuses on the journey of filmmakers from regionals all the way to the finals. So I traveled to the uh, regionals in Galway, in Limerick, in Dublin and Leinster, and they they have two virtual finals and they have two online Ulster finals. So it's great for me because it means less traveling. (laughs) (laughs) But I go to the regionals, I interview as many people as I can there. Um, very much fly in the wall interviews. It's nothing professional. It's not a sit down, in depth chat. It's very much like, what's your film about? You know, how did, were you inspired by it? And I think that film was, it's, it's capturing the atmosphere fresh for people who can't be there. Um, and then we go to the finals 
I went to the junior finals this year, which I think was the cutest thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Cute, cutest and hectic thing. <laughs> stress. Because having 50 school children run up to you when they see you have a mic is quite intimidating. They don't, don't, don't underestimate. My respect for primary school with teachers went through the roof after that day, let me tell you. And then the, the actual finals as well, that was on RTE. Um, and I suppose Sounding Fresh just really captures the essence of what Fresh is, and that is its community, it's creating, it's networking, it's inspiring, and it's just capturing all that into into a podcast and giving you a chance to know who who the filmmakers are, because sometimes you see their films and you don't understand why they made them or who they are, so it just gives a little bit of a sneak peek behind the actual film, so I just want you to give them a little bit of a platform to share their voice. I wanted to ask as well, obviously you've interviewed so many Incredible young filmmakers, all who are really talented. Is there any one or any film that you've seen that's really stuck out to you that's been like, I think this person is going to hit a big time? Because realistically, you should be listening to this if you want to be one of those people who can be in the know and be like, I knew them before they won an Oscar. Like, I knew who that person was. Like, is there any film or a director that's really stood out to you that you've seen um, throughout all of Fresh Film Festival? I'll tell you what, every year I've gone, in the three years I've gone, there's always been one shocking filmmaker. So you have the people that return every year or every second year. And then you have this one person that comes out of absolutely bloody nowhere and they do amazing. They win some massive prize and you're like, who the hell are you? Where did you come from? (laughs) Um, So they're always kind of like my favorite going into the finals. I'm like, who are you? That's why I liked regionals last year because I could kind of be like oh who's gonna be who's gonna be the surprise knockout this year so that's always really fun um it is kind of like the oscars in that sense because you think you know and then i'm always talking to to jane who's the founder i'm like can you tell me <laughs> who won can you tell me who won what prize she's like no Emily, i can't uh, you have to wait till the end of the day and i'm pleading with her by that stage um god young filmmakers okay i have a few so i'll try run through them so sean tracy was one of the first young filmmakers um, I ever got in contact with. I was fortunate enough to work with him on Junk Tour. If you are a filmmaker and you don't know who Sean Tracy is, please go on YouTube and watch him. I feel like everybody who's a young filmmaker in in Ireland should watch who Sean Tracy is. Uh, Some people may know him as Stellar Sean. Um, He was a YouTuber for years. Just have a look at who he is and you'll see some of the incredible films that he's done. Um, So that's Sean Tracy. Aoife Reese is absolutely incredible and she is a force of nature to be reckoned with um, her style in filmmaking is very very unique something that i really admire so definitely eva reese's um youtube so definitely to definitely be looked at she did the hot house with fresh last year i thought her film was really interesting very different from everybody else's uh, max hedrickson oh my goodness this man is about 16 17 years old he is an animator Oh, he won Best Animation, Best Animator, I believe is the name of the award, last year at the New York Film Festival. It's and crazy. he went back again this year. He is insane. He won Fresh last year. Uh, he won the Junior Festival a couple years prior. This man, you have to write his name down. You will see him at some major awards. You will. He's incredible. And he is such a gentleman. Like, everyone I'm talking about is the the nicest people on earth like um 
you'd think they'd be very snobby and stuck up about themselves. Not at all. They are salt to the earth. And oh my goodness, I better say the four young filmmakers that went to New York, and they would be uh, Michael Antonio Keane, a really good friend of mine, amazing filmmaker, um, even better actor, Max Hedrickson, uh, Rihanna Woods, uh, who I only met last year. She did a beautiful spoken word poem. Um, she's a wonderful writer. And my beautiful friend, Eve Duffy, who is, gosh, she's on fire making films at the moment. Um, she's really going places. And I'll mention one more directing duo, and then I'll shut up, I promise. Um, and that would be uh, Louis Martin and Donna Walsh. And I remember I met them uh, two years ago when I first started the podcast at Fresh. And I remember they um, only one of them was there, and they made the funniest film I've ever watched in my life. I cried. The whole cinema cried laughing. It was hilarious. And they won the Audience Choice Award. I remember they went up, uh, one of the guys who went up to present it went up in jeans and a t-shirt. I can't remember if it was uh, Don or Louis. And then the following year they came back and they wrote in a quest for, in a quest for love, Tom found me. I laughed. I cried. It's about a 20-minute film, and you feel you go through every emotion in the book. I remember coming out of the cinema, and about three girls followed me, and we're all wiping mascara. Off <laughs> eyes because I was like, I, I, I remember asking, are they tears of laughter or tears of of, of sadness? They're like, we don't know. It was it was just a beautiful film, and they won Best Audience Choice Award again. No surprise. And this time they came dressed in suits. So it looked <laughs> like they were ready for the red carpet. Um, these guys are absolutely amazing. I've had the, the fortune of working with both of them with uh, films connected to TUD. Um, I'll be fortunate enough to work with Donna again next week for a film that we're doing. Um, yeah, they are definitely the kind of dynamite duo director that you're going to need to keep an eye out for because they, they pull out your emotions. I mean, if you watch any of their films, they're just, they're brilliant. So I went on a bit of a rant I apologize, but um, so valid. those are the filmmakers that always stick out to me when I think of Fresh. Yeah, and I really would recommend you note down the names because the filmmakers who come out of Fresh are so amazing. And I just feel like it's just really propelled like the Irish film industry for the future. Like we have so many up and coming people who are incredible. You really do want to be one of those people who can claim you know them first. Now, obviously, Ameline's done all the interviews, so she's very far ahead of you, but <laughs> you can watch their videos online. You can watch them on YouTube. A lot of them have websites set up. So if you just Google any of the names, you should be able to find them online or you can check them out on Instagram as well. You are currently in TUD doing broadcasting, but you told me as well about a documentary that you're planning to do. And I'm really interested to hear about it. Would you like to tell us a bit more? Yeah, so I'm currently in the pre-production stage, just taking a little bit longer than I had planned. I'm hoping to have the film kind of wrapped up by the end of the year so I can start sending it out to film festivals. Um, so the name has yet to be decided, so I won't release that yet. Um, so Excuses. this is a documentary, it's going to be about half an hour long, that I have been wanting to make now for, I want, I want to say, about a year and a half. Definitely a while. And it's about a friend of mine called Liam Murphy. And we met over lockdown. I had just started doing photography myself. And he was doing photography on the streets of, of, of Grafton Street. He was taking pictures of buskers. And um, we got chatting and we bonded over photography. And I've just been fortunate enough to, to see him grow as a photographer. Um, and he went from taking photographs of musicians on Grafton Street to taking photographs of people like Hosier, the script. Um, God, who else? Mimi Webb. 
uh, Niall Horan, you name it, he's probably done it. He is such a talented and humble individual. Uh, so the, the documentary really centers around him in his beginning stages of his career, how he got into photography, working on Grafton Street, and I suppose get to know the buskers there and building up a kind of connection with them because they were all around the same age. So he really had a, a unique connection to those people. And then lockdown had that affected him going into college and now where he is today. It's going to be his entire journey in about a space of half an hour. Uh, it's going to feature a lot of his photography as well, a lot of his work, and hopefully some interviews as well from some special guests. So, yeah, that's Ooh. what's happening at the moment. You mentioned previously to me before that a lot of the documentaries obviously centred on his work as photographer and you described photography as like a forgotten art that's something that you yeah. think isn't appreciated as much would you like to explain why you think the way that is and like how maybe people could value photography more yeah so Liam's job basically I, I don't want to put words in his mouth so I'm going to briefly describe it Liam's job is basically uh, doing professional photographs for artists so, for example, when you see Hosier, he is somewhere in the pit beside the stage taking photographs of, of Hosier doing his, doing his stuff, singing his songs, whatever it may be. So, they can, so he can use, and his social media team can use um, those photographs on a professional scale on social media. It is a forgotten art in a sense because I think automatically when we go to concerts, we have mo mobile phones in our pockets. It is so easy to pick them up and take videos, which is understandable, but then to take 110 pictures that we'll probably never look at again. And it's so important when I think you're at a concert to live in the moment, and that's what I tend to do. I always like taking a video of two, <laughs> yeah. and I always try my best to put my phone down because I'm like, there is a hardworking professional right there on the stage who's getting paid to take photographs. I'm paid to be, I'm paying to be here. So that's the way I look at it. And yeah, it is forgotten art because, you know, I think um, when it comes to photography, there's nature photography, there's very artistic, different photography, and they're always kind of, a light's kind of always shone on them, I think. So when it comes to photographs for musicians, we take so many, we forget to look at the professional's work. Um, and it's kind of put aside, which is awful because I follow Liam on Instagram and he's just like you should have a look at his photographs like you can't get any better than what he does so I think this kind of documentary was kind of not only shine a light on him and his work but to really put an emphasis on the fact that you don't need to take 110 photographs when you're at a concert you can always look you can always find out who the photographer was on the night on the day and get photographs from them or go on to their Instagram and check them out. Um, there'll always be somebody there. So that's, that was kind of my motivation behind the, the documentary as well. Yeah, no, you definitely have a good point because I think photograph makes up so much of what we see on social media and you never really give the person credit because a lot of times these photos aren't credited and we use them in our yeah. feed, we use them in our everyday life, Pinterest, TikTok, whatever you, you use. Like, it really is something that's very undervalued. Yeah. Definitely not even as a photographer, I think even when it came to like my podcast, I found people were sharing it and they were like, oh, I shared your podcast with so-and-so on my page, whatever. And I'd be like, well, I never got tagged. I never, you know. Yeah. So I'd almost be looking for, a, I, the people would almost be looking for like a congratulations or a thank you from me. But I'd be like, I, I didn't know. So 
that's something I really want to stress to people as well. If you're going to share somebody's work, if you're going to share Shannon's podcast, if you're going to share my radio show, if you're going to share Liam's work on social media, tag, tag, tag. It takes two seconds mm-hmm. and it will make that person stay. It's a little bit of validation. It's a little bit like, oh, okay, people other than my friends and my family are seeing my work because sometimes you think that's all that's happening. Um, it takes two seconds and it means an awful lot to a person, um, especially when they're putting so much focus and their all their energy into it so um, yeah yeah that's a really valid statement because I think even beyond validation sometimes you know it's very important numbers can be very important in terms of what you can do and where you can see maybe that extra follower that extra listen it might just get you something even bigger so I would say just be aware of your impact in that sense that something you could share if you tag someone it could actually get them a completely new job like it's crazy oh that's exactly what's happened to me as well like if it hasn't been for the listeners on my original podcast talk about it, I would not be here. Yeah. I would not be here. And I'm not saying that in um, to like be boastful or anything. I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying that because it's a genuine statement. If people hadn't been listening to my podcast, I would never have started writing. I would have never gotten, I probably would never have gotten the courage to be in film. So it really is down to the people who has been there since day one, which is incredible, really. Yeah, like, I think, you you know, before when I was listening to, like, YouTubers or podcasters or whatever, you know, at the end of them, they're like, thank you guys so much. I love you all. Like, thanks for listening. I remember not thinking much of it when I was listening to it at the time. But I think since starting it up, I am very genuine in how, like, I'm like, thank you so much for listening, for taking the time to do whatever, to follow, to, like, you really do mean it. But I don't think you are aware how much people care until after you start your own venture, you know? Yeah, I think you almost have to hear someone's story to be like, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. You got there because of this. Yeah. Um, which is massive. Like, I only got onto RMDM because of three, four factors in my life. Mm-hmm. And that all began with Talk About a Podcast. Yeah. That ha- if I had not got the numbers at the beginning, I would not have been there. You believe me. I would not be sitting on that couch. Um, so, and I would not have met Bertie, and I would not have done many things in my life. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. It's been it's been a crazy journey. It's been insane. Yeah, I always credit people, and I was like, you know, you're the reason that I got here, and they're like, oh, no, yeah. because you did the work yourself. And I'm like, it's it's fair enough to validate your own work, but I think at the same time, it's like, really though, you have made the difference, even though you don't think you have. I suppose I wanted to ask as well. Obviously, with Liam, he's worked with a lot of public figures, and you have too, and you've garnered quite a following through podcasts through social media um do you ever feel like kind of pressure in that sense and being out there on a platform with regards to like privacy or people's opinions of you and even like the label of influencer which you want to reject yourself like how does it feel I suppose becoming a public figure in that sense and how people view you this is something I'm still kind of figuring out myself if I'm very very honest I'm still figuring out what I want my directory to be if it's just going to be film in the future if it's just going to be broadcasting in the future um, I'm only 19 I'm still figuring it out uh, so you can come along on the journey with me <laughs> in terms of influencer I am I amn't by no means whatsoever um, the only way I suppose I would influence and I'm putting that in air quotations is probably through um, my writing maybe um, and even then, I wouldn't call it influencing whatsoever. Um, I do have pieces published in newspapers and magazines, opinion pieces um, about numerous things, mental health, 
the education system in Ireland, uh, which I have very strong opinions on if you've read any of my articles, um, and just general bits and bobs, usually kind of tying to mental health in some aspect. I don't like being called an influencer, um, uh, probably because there's a very like negative stigma around it. I know it's probably not very healthy, but just at the moment, it's not something I want to be tied to. I suppose if I had to put a label on myself, it'd be a content creator. Yeah. And I prefer that label. I am, I'm just doing so much media work outside of posting every day going, hey guys, this is what I ate today. This is what yeah. I did today. <laughs> that you could all, you, it basically is content creating after that. Like I'm continuously working on films or scripts for films, uh, be it in college or outside of college. I've always seemed to be recording something. I always seem to have a mic and I'm creating something. Um, but I want to say to people as well, like you don't have to be a public figure to work in the media industry. You don't have to be going out on TikTok every day, campaigning who you are and all that kind of thing and just to work in the media. If you want to do that, go ahead. I'm going to support you 100%. And that is something that I think a lot of people do and will do, continue to do in the future. And I'm like, fantastic, go for it. But that was something that turned me off at the beginning because I was like, I don't want to become a social media influencer. I don't want my life shared on social media. I don't want people to know all this about me. So I still create stuff while keeping up that that privacy barrier, which is harder than it sounds in this day and age. It really is. Um, but it's something that it, it is possible. And if people want to do it, they can. So don't let that kind of thing turn you off what you really want to do that's a very valid answer because I think like this there's a whole idea that if you want in media that you need to um I suppose display yourself or put yourself online but you can still be very private and still be very I suppose in the background while at the same time producing credible work like it's just I think people think it's either harder to do it or it's compulsory to put yourself out there so it's really like refreshing to hear a take where you're like you can do it you can still be really successful but you don't have to give up every part of yourself for other people to do it you were talking about the scripts you're working on what kind of like ideas draw you in as a filmmaker or a producer like what kind of what are the stories that you want to tell um college for me has been very very eye-opening um i want to say that right off the bat because i work with some really amazing people that have really unique ideas that I would not think of whatsoever. So last week we wrapped on a really hilarious kind of satire comedy directed by a friend of mine, Ken. Um, yes, we have a wonderful guy called Ken in our film. <laughs> we love it. Um, <laughs> it's been, it's been, you know, with, with the whole Barbie and Ken movie that came out, we came back in the summer. We were like, this is great. So hello to everybody in TUD Film Broadcasting because you know they've been so supportive and they're just wonderful people but for myself i really love true crime i'm a big true crime podcast listener um which is a big kind of turnaround for my mental health work it's just something completely different uh, um people are like you really true crime i'm like yeah i love it i would devour any podcast you give me true crime related so i'm kind of experimenting with uh, horror films at the moment i'm getting some feedback from one of my lecturers who's a really big true crime fan. So he's kind of helping me out with that. So that's kind of the direction I'm going in at the moment. I get something produced 
and you know I'm still really interested in bringing in that kind of health, mental health aspect into my films um, but I suppose it's been really interesting to work in other people's films that I probably never would have written or thought of myself um, there's a lot of funny people in my majority, genuinely funny people that have really interesting ideas so it's it's been an honour to work with every single one of them and, and kind of look at film in a different perspective yeah, I'm not going to lie, the true crime thing, most surprising thing I've found out about you today. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 something that um, a lot of people look at me, they're like, really? But now, my, my anyway, everybody in, in TUD Dublin, they full know well that I'm a true crime fan, because I seem to mention it every single day. Um, <laughs> I just love it, anything to do with cults, uh, cold cases, because it's such a big turnaround from mental health and that sometimes I talk about it so much that it becomes heavy on me. So I'm like, what's something completely different that takes my mind off everything? And that's true crime. It's so different from everything else. Um, so there you go, yeah, fun fact. It's fascinating. Can't wait to see what comes out of this now with the films you produce. But um, I suppose just for our final question, I very sadly have to wrap it up, even though I could talk to Ameline all day. She's so lovely to listen to. I want to ask, what is next for you? What is the big plan? Like, Do you know what you want to be doing in the future and what people should look out for? It's been an absolute pleasure. I've been so excited to come on this podcast now for ages. Uh, so to answer your question, what is in the future? I am still very much figuring that out what direction I wanted to go in I'm kind of multitasking at the moment with with um, a few different things so my documentary definitely hopefully by uh, the start of 2024 that will be going into the film festival realm I'll have to keep it back for a little bit because some film festivals won't let me screen it until it's they've this film festival screen it themselves um, so that will come out maybe spring of 2024 uh, my happy hour show is every Thursday, 11 to 12, on Wired, a- on Wired FM, excuse me, um, so they can go, they can Google Wired FM and they will find it. And all you have to do is listen live, 99.9 FM, and I am there uh, just for an hour. Um, I promise it's not all me talking, it's about 50-50, um, half music, half me talking. Um, otherwise, I am really, really busy with college at the moment. That's kind of like my main focus in life at the moment is working on college and, and kind of focusing on the films that we're doing there and and a few other projects as well. Uh, but I suppose long term, I really want to get back writing. That was something I did a lot before I went to college. And I suppose with everything else that's just happened in my life, it's kind of faded away. So my writing will definitely be something that's going to take a forefront, hopefully in the new year and uh, just be consistent. You'll see me. You'll see me floating around somewhere on on social media. Yeah. Um. So I suppose that wraps us up today. Uh. Thank you so much for Ameline for coming on because I think as you guys have heard, she's amazing. Um. She is a name to keep an eye out for because she's already done incredible work. I mean, she started when she was sixteen, which I cannot get over, and I'm going to keep emphasizing to everyone. Yeah. You can check Ameline out on various social media and keep up with all of her work, of which she's going to have plenty and. I strongly recommend you check out everything she's done between her poetry, her writing, Word FM now, and of course to talk about the podcast and Sending Fresh. She's just just done so much incredible things that you can check them all out online. And I think, as you can hear, she has a very like ASMR voice. She is very pleasing to listen to, so you will not regret this at all. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure to talk to you, and I cannot wait to see all of your work. 
Well, Shannon, thank you so much for all those lovely words. And yourself, I mean, you're doing amazing. I mean, you're just you're just flying it. You're a natural at podcasting. So please keep going. I know so many people enjoy your show. Thank you so much. I feel like whenever you're like people say that, I'm like, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Like, I just want to say that to everyone. And they're like, we don't want to keep up with the Kardashians. We don't know what that means. But you're doing amazing, sweetie. Love you all, guys. Thank you so much to Ameline for coming on. And I hope you really enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoyed Jazz Weekend in Cork. And that you can find all of Ameline's stuff online and enjoy it as much as I did. So thank you all for listening. Have a great week and I will see you next week. Bye.